Good day, everyone, and welcome to The New Matter, the SLAS podcast where we interview life science luminaries. I'm your guest host, Carlton Moore, Laboratory Application Specialist from Martell. And today we have Jonathan O'Connell, Vice President, Early Discovery and Technology at Valo Health, and soon to be member of the SLAS Board of Directors. Welcome, Jonathan. Thank you. Great to be here. Nice talking to you today. Thanks. Oh, thanks for coming. So before we begin, I did want to make sure that we exercise as much inclusivity as possible. And I just wanted to know what pronouns do you prefer to use? So I usually go by he and him. And I was just wondering what are yours? Same for me. Works perfect. Okay, great. So now that the formalities are done, <laughs> we can begin. And um, so to start us off, let's go with the SLAS challenge of describing your day-to-day work in 10 words or less. So my company is revolutionizing drug discovery by combining AI with data generation at scale. A little more than 10 words, but I'll take it. (laughs) (laughs) It might have been 12, sorry. (laughs) No, you're good. Just having some fun with you. So uh, I guess to get a little bit more of your background and to understand more of how you got into the sciences, was this something that was ingrained into you as a child? Did you have a teacher come along, a professor in college, a mentor? Like, How did you find yourself here? So in, in science generally, I mean, I think, you know, as goes for, for many people, I, you, I just had a natural aptitude as, as a child for science, love science, was driven by it, passionate about it. And, you know, that sort of evolved as I went through school, you know, in high school and, and was really sort of, you know, it was biology, chemistry, maths, physics were, were the subjects where I was particularly strong. I was a disaster at languages or anything like that. So I really felt that, that science was the direction for me. And, uh, you know, actually, initially, my career choice was that I wanted to be a vet. And so I, I put a huge amount of effort into a career path as a vet, but that didn't quite work out. And, you know, obviously, I was in the United Kingdom in the school system there, and I just didn't quite get the grades. Vet school is a particularly tough one to get into, and I didn't quite get the grades I needed. So I started to look for an alternative, and I ended up doing biochemistry. And that's kind of what, what shaped my uh, my whole future. It was a perfect fit for me. and. Um, you know, I say all things happen for a reason, so uh, no regrets, and uh, it worked out well. Nice. So you went from being a vet to a biochemist, yeah, and that was an easier path for you. Easier? I have no idea, but um, <laughs> it was certainly a path that worked. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's amazing, because I mean, most people would go from maybe being a vet to something much, much easier, but I don't know if biochemistry was easier, so I'm assuming that it was just a better fit for you, which is a great thing, because you're doing great things with it. Thank you. So as far as what's going on at Valo Health and what you guys are working on over there, is there anything you'd like to share? As I alluded to, I mean, you know, in the slightly more than 10 words at the beginning of this, um, you know, so, so really we're a very exciting new company, uh, about a year and a half old. And uh, we recently um, came out of stealth mode and, uh, you know, so the world kind of knows what we're doing now. But, you know, the whole idea is to leverage artificial intelligence at all stages of drug discovery. And, you know, obviously, from my title as VP of Early Discovery, I'm focused very much on the early stages of drug discovery. So from target selection through lead identification and then lead optimization processes. And, you know, we're, we're excited because, you know, with my expertise and, and the team, you know, that we have there, we're able to, to generate immense amounts of data, generate data on scale, lots of data in parallel. And then when you apply the AI platform on top of that, 
our goal is to really significantly compress that drug discovery cycle so that we can do things uh, much quicker. So that you know the overall cost of drug discovery should get less if we're successful at what you know what we hope to be able to achieve. But we have we have some amazing computational sciences, some amazing AI platforms. And then, you know, the true high throughput platforms that a number of people at SLAS are, are familiar with. Oh, excellent. Excellent. So the AI portion is interesting to me because I have no idea how AI works. You know, I'm, I've been in the lab most of my life. And, you know, as far as I get when it gets to AI, it's probably about Alexa. And so <laughs> I'm curious as to, you know, how are you using the AI? Is it just mostly compression of data? And you know, making it more streamlined so you can review it, or are you actually going ahead and using AI to be a part of the drug development process as well? Yeah, so AI is very much integrated into all parts of the drug discovery process. So, you know, we're not just taking AI and applying it to one particular element, we're we're applying it all the way through. So that applies to analyzing clinical data, patient selection, you know, identifying targets, helping us identify leads from screens picking better molecules so you can apply very large data sets. You know, the beauty of AI is that it can think multidimensionally, uh, whereas, you know, the, the human has trouble with more than one or two dimensions. Um, so you can add all your ADME data, you can add, you know, multiple other sets of data that, you know, that exists from previous screens that you've done and things like that. So you can really start to think about, you know, which is my most rounded, highest potential molecules to progress forward and start to apply it there. And you can also use it for designing the next round of molecules. So the whole idea is these cycles, they, you can optimize the algorithms as you go because they learn from the data that you put into it. So that's why we don't want to be just testing one or two molecules. We want to be testing many thousands of molecules at each round so that we can inform those, those models better. But we're early, so there's a long way to go, and um, there's a lot to prove and some very strong aspirational goals, but we're up for it and excited to, to try and deliver here. That sounds very exciting, because I'm assuming with the AI help, you guys will cut down on the time it usually takes to get from you know the preclinical stages to drug development and actually being able to disperse whatever you've created out to society and whatnot. So do you have an idea how much time you think this will also cut down on as well, since I'm assuming it's going to save lots of money as well? Yeah, I mean, it's difficult to predict that. Obviously, we'd, we'd like to be able to cut it in half. That would be an amazing achievement. And, and that would be a game changer for the industry. So that's what we're shooting for. But uh, it's going to take us a few years to prove that, obviously. <laughs> No. Okay. Nice. Excellent. Excellent. I'm, I'm excited for this, as you can see. <laughs> so I guess getting back to you a little more, uh, what's the most exciting lab moment or professional accomplishment that you've ever experienced? Yeah, that's so. So the, this question or these types of questions are ones that I'm particularly bad at. Um, <laughs> Take your time. We got some time. so I, you know. It's I'm just not very good at these. I'm I'm not very sentimental. It's not really in my in my personality. I don't sort of look back. You know, I I'm, I'm much more about the future and, mm -hmm. and moving forward. So you know, there's been many different types of things in the past, right? From individual lab experiments where you really crack something and you enable the program to move forward to, you know, programs that you were heavily involved in that have ended up in the clinic and really have the, you know, and you, you actually start treating patients. We're all in this to, to you know, to treat patients, to improve, improve human life. And, you know, so when you get those moments, it's really, really gratifying. But, you know, I don't think I have one. I, I can't really identify any one or any set. There's been many that, that have been very satisfying over the years. And now having 
done sort of this job for 24 years. It's just amazing to see, you know, how things have evolved, how things have moved forward and the drugs that are now treating patients that, that, you know, that I've touched in the past. And that's what it's all about for me. And so, and as I move forward, that's what I want to keep doing. It's like, it's about impacting drug discovery campaigns. It's about, you know, really delivering drugs to patients and how can I leverage what I do? How can I leverage technology and, and the infrastructure and the science to, to, to really make better drugs for the future? So I try to stay forward focused rather than backward focused, but that's just me. I'm just, uh, you know. <laughs> I got you. Always thinking forward. That's that's a good outlook to have. You know, at least if you don't spend any time dwelling on the past, you can't relive those bad moments as well, right? That's very true. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. No. So there's a bit of a hole that I want to explore. So you said you've been doing this for about 24 years. So I'm curious, where did you start? And you know, how did you progress throughout the whole entire process to get where you are now? You know, I started to give you a little bit about me as a lab tech, and then now I'm where I'm at, you know, but I'm so curious to see where you started and how you ended here. Yeah, it's, it's kind of cool for me. I mean, <laughs> my career really got started while I was doing my undergrad degree, uh, which I did at the University of Manchester in England. And I actually did a, um, opted into a sandwich course. And a sandwich course is where you actually spend a year of your degree course um, working in industry. So at the time, and now this is really proving the 24-year thing, um, because at the time, um, I actually worked at ICI. So that was before it became AstraZeneca. Oh. And, um, and I spent a year working there, and I absolutely loved it. That was really where I started to connect the dots between the stuff that I was learning at university and how you can actually apply it, right? And that kind of got me hooked. So kind of when I was there, I sort of observed how things worked, how everything was structured, you know, really felt I wanted to be in industry. Um, I did sort of conclude that I felt that I, I wanted to get a PhD and then move into industry. So it kind of set my career path going. So I, I finished up my degree at Manchester and then I went on to do a PhD at the University of Ma uh, Glasgow in Scotland. And rather than move into a postdoc, after that, I decided I really wanted to get straight into industry. So I actually was able to get a job at Glaxo in, in the UK, uh, down in Stevenage. And I went straight from a PhD into, into that job at Glaxo. And that job was doing assay design in high throughput screening. And you know, I have to confess, I applied for the job. I interviewed, I got the job. And I didn't really know what high throughput screening was until I started. <laughs> Fake it till you make it, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but you know that that really was a, a defining job for me because it really allowed me to to combine my my passion for the science with my interest in in technology, right? So it was a perfect merge of sort of science and technology, and. I was really into the, the robots and the automation and um, all the liquid handling and everything else that we did. And then to be able to figure out how to use that to, to actually, you know, make better drugs was, was really what, what got me started. And so by, I think it was really by pure luck, I ended up in what was the perfect role for me. And um, so my career really just progressed and I, I evolved worked at Glaxo for about four years. And then um, I actually moved over to Bristol Myers in Connecticut in the United States. And so I, again, moved over there to run a team of assay developers for high throughput screening. And then during my time at Bristol Myers, which was close to 14 years, I um, grew to run all of the high throughput screening, high throughput in vitro admi team, um, its lead and LO teams that supported uh, neuroscience and virology. 
and, and multiple other sort of tech leveraged aspects during that time. But, you know, it was really a great niche for me, one that I really enjoyed. And, you know, ultimately, after now having spent close to 18 years in industry, I really wanted to, to move into the biotech arena. And I found a, a job in the Boston area at Former Therapeutics and uh, spent about six years in Former and then moved on to Valor, which is, which is where I'm at currently. Yeah, I think all those years add up to 24. So yeah, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. So you mentioned Manchester, England. Are you a Man U fan? I'm definitely a Man U fan, not a not a Man City fan. So okay. um, you know, might might be pushing a few podcast listeners away by stating that. <laughs> maybe, maybe a couple, not the Man U ones. <laughs> so how was your time in Glasgow? Like, I've never been to Scotland and I would love to hear a little bit about it. I absolutely loved my time in Glasgow. It's actually, it's also where I met, where I met my wife. Um, oh. So my wife's from Dublin, um, Ireland. Oh. Um, so we had to meet on neutral territory, which was Scotland. Um, so, um, you know, Glasgow is it's an amazing city. Scotland is, is fantastic. I really love my time there. I mean, the, the, the cities and then the, the highlands are absolutely beautiful. It takes a while to tune into the accent, I have to say. Um, and uh, I remember getting out of a, uh, getting into a taxi um, on my first trip there um, from the station to the uh, to the university, and I couldn't understand what the taxi driver was saying to me the entire time. But you know, that's a temporary thing. Your ear tunes in pretty quickly, um, right. and have some great friends that I made there that I'm still in touch with, and you know, it was really a, a, a phenomenal time and. Uh, the only thing I regret is I've not been back that much. I've been back a few times. I'd love to go back more because it's, it's a great city. Well, if you do go back, please get a ticket from me. I would love to come with you since you already know what the layout is like. I'll just, I'll, I can fit in the suitcase. I'm really small. I'm not that big. Sounds like a deal. <laughs> That's fantastic. I guess at this point, do you have any tips for the younger generations of scientists in the automation, screening, data science, or technology spaces? You know, it's, it's interesting. I, I give a lecture at, uh, at UMass Amherst um, each year. Um, and the, that lecture is for a drug discovery course, and it's just on high throughput screening. Mm-hmm. It's obviously what I do. One of the questions I get from the students at the end of that each year is, um, you know, they basically ask, you know, what sort of skill sets are you looking for for people who want to do this job? And you know, basic answer is quite simple. It's really strong and passionate scientists who have a natural aptitude for technology. And that's, that's the key thing, to have people who are not scared or intimidated by technology, have that natural aptitude. That's going to work really well in this, in this space. But the key is that you can't lose sight of your goals. You have to understand what you're driving after and what you're going for, right? So my business is drug discovery. That's what I'm in there for. My business is not technology development, right? Mm-hmm. So technology development helps us do drug discovery better. And so my you know, advice is making sure that you stay very, very focused on your goals, that you aim high and uh, don't let anybody stop you. Um, you know, you can do it. And um, as long as you're focused and you're passionate and you believe in yourself, you'll get there. And uh, just, you know, pick something that you enjoy as a career path. And, uh, sounds uh, like sage advice. So... When it comes to your teams that you set up now, where it's like there's AI integrating with science, are you more leaning to people who are like biostaticians? Are you looking more at comp sci people? Or is it just pure biochemists, people of that nature? Or is it a conglomerate of all the teams coming together, working on the stuff over at Valor? 
uh, basically it's all of the above, right? So, you know, you no one discipline is going to solve these challenges. So you really need all of those skill sets, the biochemists, the cell biologists, you know, depending on the therapeutic areas that you're working in, be it oncology, neuroscience, you need experts in those domains. Then you need data programmers, you need biostaticians, you need computational chemistry. So all of these things have to have to come together to make this work. So you you really need people in, in all of those skill sets. So plenty of opportunities there. So you have a very wide umbrella of people that could potentially work a part of your team, you know, given whatever specialties that they have, as long as it adds to the development of a new drug therapeutic. Exactly. That's correct. Okay. I got it. Now, look at that. You just taught me everything in this about 13 <laughs> minutes, and this has been fantastic. So what do you look forward to accomplishing as part of the SLAS Board of Directors? Well, you know, it's it's probably, I forget actually how many years SLAS has been going, 10-ish. Yeah, about. And, you know, I was part of um, SBS beforehand and then became part of SLAS right from year one. So I've been really heavily involved in SLAS over the years, you know, being involved, had a volunteer role, spoken at conferences, chaired conferences, all that sort of thing. And so, you know, for me, it's about, you know, really being able to influence the future directions of the society. You know, I'm passionate about the society, I'm passionate about its future. So I want to be able to, to influence how that goes. I want to make sure we can keep it relevant, uh, you know, making sure that we're pushing forward to new space, but also core to, to one thing I believe is making sure we don't lose sight of our roots as well. So focus on the core that is SLAS and the core skill set of, of people that, that um, you know, that, that tend to join in all the events that um, SLAS hosts. Um, and one of the things that I really want to help drive and, and to build to be even stronger is, is the impact on education for SLAS. And that's one thing that I really want to continue to influence and, and build a, um, you know, a very strong path forward for you know, how we can impact education, both at the student level and the people who are in, in jobs to, to, to really strengthen the education side. So that's one of the things I'm looking forward to doing. Oh, that's excellent. No, I mean, you're a, a well of knowledge that everyone can tap into. And so I think this is fantastic that, you know, they've added a great new member in you to the team of directors. Anything else you would like to share with us? Any, you know, unknown facts about Jonathan that people should know? Is there anything else before we wrap up here? I don't think so. I think, you know, there's a lot of people in the SLAS world know me already. So um, certainly not everybody, but a lot of people do. Um, you know, um, I'm passionate about, you know, outside of um, my job, I'm passionate about cars, right? So so cars is a thing that I love. And, um, you know, again, it's a little bit of that technology aspect, mm -hmm. uh, you know, so it's Formula One racing, it's cars, outside of things that I that I enjoy watching. Um, to do something different, I paint. So I do oil painting as well, which is just a just a little hobby, you know, that I do on the side. But otherwise, I'm I'm pretty, I'm you know, pretty much an open book. Pretty easy to see what I get up to. So uh, I don't think there's any anything hidden there. Last thing. So I'm assuming you're a Lewis Hamilton fan, then. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Just all right. Title this weekend, so that's awesome. I'm a huge Lewis Hamilton fan as well. So you know, when you said F1, I was just like, okay, yeah, I like Mercedes. I like those guys. Wait, well, what's your? I mean, your car enthusiast. What's the car? Like, what's your dream car? Uh, you know, it's so you know, it's, it's a tough one because there's a lot. But um, you know, right now I, I drive a BMW M4. Um, that's my sort of daily driver. But um, 
you know, I don't, I've always wanted a Lamborghini. I don't know if I'll ever be able to afford one, but I've always wanted one. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I love an Aston Martin or something like that as well. But, you know, I can keep dreaming. Yeah, throw Bugatti in there too. Why not? Yeah, why not? Absolutely. <laughs> well, Jonathan, thank you for coming on to the show today. And everyone listening, please keep an ear out next week for next week's episode. Thank you very much. Enjoy the chat today.